Hey guys, it's Marsha Hoffines, and you are listening to the Storytellers Podcast, where we dig in, go deep, find ourselves, maybe cry, maybe laugh. We surrender, but we go home, and we go home big. We feel inspired. It's the story behind the cellophane. It's the story inside the truth. It's a story that most people don't want to tell, but we're here to share. Let's get started. Well, hey, everybody, welcome back. We are in the beginning of January 2022, and I can't even believe that I'm saying that because 2022, I remember you seem like such a long and out there time, like it seems so futuristic. And if you think about that, we are welcome to the future, I guess is what I'll say about that. But I'm really excited today to introduce you to my guest. Um, Vicki, I've known Vicki from afar for many years. Our worlds have collided in the yoga room. Um, my daughters have gone to school with her sons, mutual friends, all this stuff. But really, um, I really got to know Vicki through Facebook, which is interesting. And um, she has a beautiful group um, for women and moms, mainly in Leesburg, Virginia. And she started this um, group as a way to kind of help her process through a really trying time in her life and to support the community around. And what I'll tell you is of all the moms groups that are out there and all the um, various groups that you can be part of, what I love about Vicki's group is she really keeps it inspirational, motivational, and she shares stories from her heart and moments that really, what I watch with the women who comment on her post is like, thank you for giving me a different perspective. Thank you for showing me a different way. And why I think this is so important to note is not only is she a beautiful um, businesswoman, she has a very successful real estate business here in Northern Virginia. She is a beautiful mother to three amazing young men, but she is also a widow and lost her husband back in 2017. Um, and has used this again, this is all from me watching her from afar. She has used this as um, like we were just talking before we hit the record button, somewhat by choice and somewhat not by choice as a place of tapping into a new level of strength and courage. And when I think about Vicki, uh, the words that come to my mind are inspiring, powerful, and safe. So welcome, my dear, to oh the podcast. Gosh. Thank you, Marcia. Thank you for having me. What a beautiful introduction that like warms my heart. Thank you so much. That was, per that was beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I, whew, I know it just, <laughs> isn't it nice to know how people think about you? That is really, I mean, it really, it's very special. Yeah. Yeah. And, really, and something for me, I, um, one of the, the qualities that I hope that I give to my daughters is to every once in a while, just tell people things like that randomly, just out of the blue so that they know, right? Okay. Yeah. Because we oftentimes are so busy doing our stuff that we forget to let people know what they have meant to us in our lives. I'm so appreciative and so grateful to you. Thank you for having me today. Absolutely. I'm excited to talk to you and share hopefully yeah. uh, my story and hopefully in, in, in hopes that it will inspire someone else uh, going through a difficult time. Absolutely. So why don't we um, give me a little history on who Vicky is? Where are you from? What's your family dynamic? Like your like yes. 
yes. you know, family. Okay, sure. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Yep. So uh, Vicki Newfell is actually born Vicki Zakak, Vicki George Zakak, which is a funny story. I was born in Beirut, Lebanon. Okay. I am an Im immigrant to the US. I came here when I was eight years old. Uh, the first two years of my life was peaceful and then civil war broke out in, in Lebanon. And so I really think that um, the period of time, even though I was a young child that I faced during that time, kind of helped me become the person I am today. It's a part of my story very much. There's bombings and explosions and horrible things happening. Uh, twice during those eight years of my life in Beirut, we escaped like once to Greece and once to Austria because the, the bombings we would like living in um, like shelters, not, you know, like it was just a very chaotic eight years. Uh, yeah. Whoa, 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 whoa. I just literally got full yeah. body chills. Yeah. You know, you think you're coming on to talk about one thing and then all yeah. of a sudden, so this is where your resiliency really like, I really do from, think right? so. I don't yeah. think of myself. I, never, I didn't grow up thinking I was a strong person. Uh, physically, I'm like tiny. So I'm, and mentally, I think, I think I'm tiny, but <laughs> I actually have, I think, I think we, this is a lesson in life is that we really all are stronger than what we believe to be. I actually have childhood memories after a bombing going up with my sister. I'm the oldest of three girls. So it was just me and my middle sister at the time. We didn't have my youngest sister who was born in the US. But remember going up with bags, picking up little gold bullet shells off the rooftop. And this is not, a, now I think about it now, it's like, this is not a normal childhood. No, yeah. no, I was picking like dandelions yeah. out of my backyard. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> No, this is incredible. This is but incredible. But as a child, I don't know that you know any different. Right. Uh, and so I had a, I have, I have a wonderful family, great parents, great grandparents, cousins, aunts. Um, I've always been very loved on, which I think has been really so good for emotions and such. But after the, so eight years, we moved and immigrated to the U.S. and came here to Vienna, Virginia. So really like chapter two started then. Right. Um, and that was a culture shock because I come from a very, very conservative family who was already conservative in Lebanon. So coming here, they were really holding on tight to their, you know, to their daughters, really like very strict, very. And I didn't speak English. I actually had a I, back then I spoke fluent French. I went to French private school and so I spoke French and Arabic. And um, I had to, you know, learn the language, learn the culture. Many I'm still learning the culture. I always laugh at my, you know. I'm like my foreign is coming out because I, 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 you know, I still don't really know a lot of like the slang and the words I've learned. I've been here 40 years. I'm 48 now. So, um, so yeah, from age eight to 15, you know, it was another kind of tough period in my life because you're growing up, you're a kid, you want to fit in. I didn't mm -hmm. fit in. Mm -hmm. I remember, you know, just, I remember one time, like, you know, you have these childhood memories that like kind of impact who you are. And I remember like in Vienna, that area is a very affluent area. And we lived in these yes. uh, apartments and it was, you know, not a nice place to live. And I lived there from age eight to 15. And so I was like the poor kid and I didn't, mm -hmm. didn't have a lot of money. And I remember one time a kid called me dense and I was like, I didn't even know what the word dense meant because I didn't know the language, right. you know? So, um, Anyway, those were tough years, but I think that I was trying to grow up in a very different culture. And again, being resilient, trying to figure out who I was. Um, and then we, you know, we moved to Centerville and uh, went to George Mason University. So I've been in Northern Virginia all my life, studied yeah. school business, marketing. My whole family is very numbers oriented. I was always very language words oriented. Um, and let's see, I think the next probably big part of my life is I met my husband, Joe. 
so we, he was a first boyfriend. Uh, he was also uh, born in Lebanon. He was, he almost died in the war and a bombing. Uh, so he came as a child. We had the same story, different families. We met yes. here and um, he really shaped my life because, um, you know, he was a big dreamer, very ambitious, lots of great energy. Uh, he, I knew he was going to be a, a great partner in many ways, business, parenting, um, just the way he thought. So um, we got married at age 21. I was still in college. Can I just mention like, and maybe you have already thought about this numerous times, but you know that your little stars were meant to meet that you can't like how incredible that you found incredible. each other. Right? Wait, a beautiful love story. And, you know, it's, uh, you know, obviously we have a sad ending, right? But, but we have a beautiful love story and I just fell in love. He was the one, he was the one and only. Yeah. So um, we got married at age 21 and we started our life together. He had a very successful hair salon in Tyson's Corner. Uh, I was always Joe's wife, you know? Yeah. Um, we have three boys, beautiful boys. Now they're 21, 19 and 16. Mm. And we're both sort of like that American story. Like uh, for five, for, you know, some years I worked in corporate, I stayed home five years. I was a stay at home mom, you know, and I've always had an interest in real estate, but it really was never the right time. I didn't really have any dependable childcare. So um, then one day after I gave birth to my youngest son, uh, Mason, I moved, we moved to Leesburg, which has been really like finally finding home again. Like, cause you know, I didn't have, I lost my hometown. And I came here and I started, moved to Leesburg, had a baby, started real estate in a very like difficult market. The market was crashing. It was during that time. Yes. And those next, you know, 10 years, it's building my business. Um, finally, uh, in a job where I could like, um, I think I always had that inner drive. I just didn't have a place for it. So mm -hmm. it was exciting. I liked sales. I like all that. And things were great. We traveled. We had a beautiful life. We have, you know, we blessing with, you know, just everything was great. And then, you know, six, I guess six years ago now, um, four, four months after starting my, I have a partnership with my business partner, Karen Cooper. We own the Platinum Group Real Estate Team in Northern Virginia. We're so excited. I'm thinking it's the best year of my life. It's 2015, right? I finally started this partnership with her. We started this business. We're going to have a team. Four months into our partnership, you know, Joe has like stomach pains. We go get a physical for both of us. Um, he's 47, super fit, super healthy, no issues. And then all of a sudden, the doctor's saying something is off with the numbers. We go into Inova and literally like it was something out of a, a night. It was a nightmare. It is 100% a nightmare. They just told us basically he has like a few months to live and he has stage four pancreatic cancer. I didn't even know what the word oncology meant. I was so oblivious to that word yes. and to that in our life. So, well, and Vicki, I, I remember the story from my perspective, right? My daughter who knows Brandon very well, your yeah. Yeah. son, um, came home and told me yeah. how devastating this was to him. And it, oh, I mean, yeah. you felt the, the energy through the children, right? Oh, yeah. Sharing. And the reason I bring that up is just this, this, Sh your, yeah, the shock and your story was already having an impact before you knew I know. anything 
about it, right? It impacted a lot, it, it, obviously my children and children. I, but also yes. the community, anybody the community. who knew us, like it was, it's, yes. it's scared, to, you know, it's, it's very scary. Yes. Uh, and my kids at that time were 10, 12, yes. 14. Mm -hmm. They were mm -hmm. like young men or babies, you know? Yes. Uh, I remember my youngest walking in and saying, mom, I'm just a kid. I can't handle this. This yes. isn't like, this isn't normal. Uh, I remember calling my partner and telling her I quit. I quit my job. I am going to be 100% devoted to this. And I remember her saying something that was really very powerful to me. She said to me, everything you've ever been through in your life has prepared you for this, for this day, yeah. for this moment. And it was true. I look back and think, you know, she's right. I didn't yes. know that. Um, the next 18 months were horrific. We went through, I literally, we became like cancer researchers. I yes. read tons of books. We tried everything under sun, holistic and Western mm -hmm. and all of that. And we actually found remission. And then he passed away May, 2017 with the kids and I at home. Mm -hmm. um, and, that, and then, um, then it was like, okay, how am I going to function? You know, right. like we've been together 25 years and our kids were you know, like at that age where you worry, like they're 16 and 14 and 12 at the funeral. Yes. What were those, the days after you found out, what were those conversations like between you and Joe? Oh, between Joe and I, yeah. oh my gosh. I remember just waking up in bed and he would just be shaking and I would be putting on him like lavender oils. Mm -hmm. that, like I remember him coming home one night, like a, a week after he, I remember he said to me the day after I went home the night, they checked him in. And I remember crying, coming home. And the next morning I came in, I said to him, he said, honey, whatever it is, I'm prepared for surgery. And what I didn't know was that surgery, was, and he didn't know, surgery was not going to be an option. Like mm -hmm. every, every trial or challenge we'd ever been through in our life and yes. in our marriage, we'd always figured out a way. Right, right. And this was like a monster, like living within. Yes. And I think I had never had anxiety like this before. I mm -hmm. remember actually getting some anxiety medication because I... I could not, like, it was like, it felt like being hit by a truck. Like I'd never felt the, the level of, like it was code red. Yes. I was in code red. He was in code red. Yes. Uh, and it was a very traumatic 18 months. It was a lot of anger, a lot of grief, a lot of sadness, a lot of uh, fear, you know, that scanxiety, scanxiety is what they call it when you have just, there was no good news. Right. So during that time, I've, thought I went from the best year of my life. It was three weeks mm -hmm. before Christmas. The doctor said, don't tell any, don't tell your children. It'll, it'll you know, like traumatize them from Christmas forevermore. Yes. You're supposed to go on the cruise, take the cruise because you're not going to get another trip. I mean, that's how, this is the kind of stuff we're hearing. We're like, what? Yes. yes. He's never even been to see, like we have, we have a CVS next door. He's never even had one prescription filled. Right. So it was right. like, what are, you, what are you talking about? Like his parents are 90. Like, what are you talking about? Yes. How does this happen? How, how, does this happen? You, how does this happen when I'm so healthy? How does this happen? I, you hear, you know, you hear these things, but it's, it's a movie or a story yes. of somebody else, but it's like, now it's like, this is for us. And you know, th those, that period of time and everything in between and, and after is like forever ingrained and etched. When I share these stories through my mom's group, it's, it, they're very vivid and they're very real. And I try not to be like depressing people, but I just feel like so sad for how his life ended. And I just want to like, he was a beautiful person. Yes. And I just want to share more about him. You're keeping him. So what I, what I feel and I, and I, and I see through this is a couple of things. One, you're keeping his spirit alive through yeah. talking about it. Right. And through, yeah 
remembering sitting, like I just recently, you talked about buying the home, mm-hmm. buying your home. Right. And it's, it's interesting because you do such a beautiful job of taking you at taking your readers on this amazing experience of being there with you and Joe finding the home and watching you today still feel the love. It's like almost, you can still see him sitting in the home. Oh, with you. oh that makes sense. That's so sweet. Thank and, you. And, and you can see him coming out through your yeah, sons, my sons. Yeah. So let's talk they about that legacy. for a few moments. Yes. His legacy is in your the boys. The boys. Yeah. You know, my boys are amazing. I love them so much. They are literally what keep me, they're hundred percent my why. And they're really what helped me survive. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I, I just, uh, I remember a few days after the funeral, um, you know, you don't get to come home from the funeral when it's a significant loss like this, neither. And it's a forever loss for them. And I thought, gosh, like I had this anxiety, like, how am I going to raise these kids? I'm going to be a solo mom. And how am I going to raise them at such a tender age where they could literally get into so many things? And are they going to be victims in life? I didn't want that. And I remember like a few days after he passed, one of the boys mentioned dad, he was like, you know, 12. And one of the other ones hit him on the shoulder, like, don't mention, mm-hmm. you know, don't upset mom. Yes. Um, and I thought, oh my gosh, like they're afraid to talk about it in front of me. And I remember meeting two women, two um, women, the Greek women that way I went down to Williamsburg, I think five days after the funeral. And I just needed to figure out what to, I didn't know what to do. Yes. Uh, and I, I remember they, they, they literally grabbed me. They, 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 they looked me in the eye and they said, look at, look at that, look at us. They're like two things, two things. And I was like, what, what? And I was so fatigued, exhausted from caring for him. And they said two things and you're going to be okay. And I was like, okay, like somebody's going to give me specific <laughs> advice. Tell me what it is. They said, one, you focus on your boys. Two, you focus on your work. You come home exhausted. You don't have time to think. You just get up. You focus on your boys. You focus on your work and you're going to be okay. Mm. I was like, okay. And I took that to heart. And from there on, I mean, I, there, I have literally, he lives in my head and he lives in their mind and heart all day long. I talk about him openly to them all the time. I feel like that's a huge part. You know, everyone feels awkward when someone dies, they feel awkward to bring up that person's name because they think they don't want to upset you or hurt you or or remind you. But the problem is you never, you don't forget it's in, it's in your head, like all the time, like, right. No. So having an open conversation with the children, my kids has really helped. I believe has really helped them cope. Well, yeah, they've learned to live around and, and we toast to him all the time. We tell jokes, we tell stories. Oh, he'd hate this. Oh, he'd do this. And I just feel that it is uh, one thing that I, I, I hope I did right because it, it, it was necessary. I, I literally thought if, if, if we became the house where my, my youngest one time said to me, mom, this is the sad house. And I was mm. like, oh my God. Yeah. So I, uh, every time I get a, like, uh, you know, everything was difficult. Like the first Christmas, how are we going to handle that? Right. The first year anniversary, you know, uh, six months after he died, my youngest was turning 13. Imagine turning 13. Yeah. And he told um, my, my good friend, Dee Simmons, who lives with us, who helps me take care of the boys, who's my greatest supporter. She said to me, um, he told her it was going to be his worst birthday ever. Mm. And when I heard that, like, it's like, another like it I it's like a, we already had the tragedy of losing him yes I couldn't handle the tragedy of yes of losing them if that makes sense yes and 
so what I love is that you are allowing them to get to know him, your husband, Joey, right? Joe. Yeah, on a deeper better, level, yeah. right? Yeah. In continuing to have these conversations and experience him through just, you know, the wonder from them. Like, I wonder yeah. what dad would do. I wonder what this would be like. And you know what's happening in their mind. Yes. Yes. And 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 instead of like holding all of this inside it's a release it is a beautiful release and also and you know this like grief is a process and it's not linear and no one can teach us how we're supposed to do anything so wondering if you're doing it right there's no right or wrong in grief it's just it's how everyone chooses to process and deal with it right that's right it allows them to maintain the relationship they have a beautiful earthly father Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. i and i want them to maintain that because you know Sometimes like, you know, somebody uh, broke up with a girlfriend or they don't know what to do about the, should I join the fraternity? And they have all these yes. moments all day long where yes. they're like, I really need my dad, yeah. you know? Uh, one, the other day one got COVID and he had an interview and he was sick and he was like feeling, he's like, I need my dad. And I was like, yeah. what can I do? So I'm always trying to, I mean, I'm not their dad. I can't take his place, right. but, I, but I am the other anchor. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and, you know, um, I, I fortunately had my father up until just a couple of years ago and I had my mother passed when she was 57. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was an adult child at that point in time. I was in my thirties, but that I, I just empathizing and that feeling of, I need my mother or I need my father in this moment is something that, um, when you feel that the other people around you do want to somehow figure out how to fulfill that role, yeah. but no one's meant to be. And one thing that someone said to me one time was, Marsha, if you want your mom, just close your eyes and listen. Oh, she'll come. Yes, they'll tell right? you. Yeah, they'll come. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And and it, it, it can just be as just a moment of remembering. It can be a moment of maybe you get a feeling in your body. Maybe it's a release, like you just need to cry. Um, but that relationship that we have with our parents is so unique and special and sometimes one that is taken for granted right yeah yes and And, go ahead and and losing him so young Mm -hmm. um i remember at at his funeral alex said something like i can't believe my 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 run with you is over you know like it was just devastating it is devastating to them and it's a daily devastation so like yes i i just think you have to and and the thing is it has bonded us closer i think that they're more empathetic whenever they hang up the phone it's I love you mom or um you know like there's the four of us like sort of know that we all know the pain of losing him and mm-hmm. so we can share it in that and sort of take it off of each other's if that may sort of like soften it a little bit by having each other yes so um I'm proud of them yeah and so you know bringing up what your um, partner said to you I'm so glad that she said that because as you've been painting your story and even before we got to that moment when you started telling me about your childhood. I was like, life prepared Vicky. And you didn't even know it. No. So I wonder, what do you see now for yourself that you didn't maybe understand was being built inside of you as that eight-year-old or that young, young girl that helped you? Yeah. That's a great question. I, I think, you know, um, 
I, I did not realize how resilient I was and how being adaptable uh, and my mindset has helped me sort, sort of uh, deal with this, the tragedy I have to live with. It is, my, it is a story I never wanted it to be my story, but sometimes you're just given your story, you know, mm -hmm. it's not like a choice. So um, I think, you know, coming from Lebanon, adapting to a new culture, new change, I, you know, I always remember as a kid, I was always think like, gosh, I don't, I don't have a talent. Like remember when you were a kid, you're like, oh, that one, you know, they can be in the play or they can sing and they can play the trombone, they can dance, I, they can paint. You know, I didn't ever felt like I had a talent. And, and I realize now, like, as you get to know yourself and you become, go into adulthood, you realize a talent isn't necessarily like a, a talent show talent. It might just be, you know, your energy. Mm -hmm. It might be the way you think. Yes. That is a talent, yes. right? And I don't like when it, 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 it blows my mind when people come up to me and say, thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for being open. I'm going through this. I'm going through this and the different scenarios and the fact that they feel comfortable. I'm a stranger to them, you know, and mm -hmm. they feel comfortable to share with me. I think like what a gift that is that they, yeah. you know, storytelling is, is I know that's the name of your podcast. It, yeah. It's actually a beautiful thing because yes. you can always understand things better. Yeah. In a story. And, and storytelling from a place of um, connection, right? Mm -hmm. Story. There is this beautiful gift that um, I watch happen over and over and over again um, when women step in front of the rooms that I create and grab the microphone and just have their 15, 20 minutes in front of other women and let their words start pouring out. I watch, I get to stand and just watch the response from the women who are in the audience. And I watch the tears just start rolling down their face. And it's not from a place of pity or sympathy, but it's a place of almost like relief. Yes. And they can take a deep breath and yeah. go, I'm not alone. Yeah. And I think that's the power that you Again, I, I see it time and time again in this in this group that you've created um, when you share so openly that just in their comments, and I'm sure people send you private messages all yeah. the time, but let I, I just I love that for you. And that is your talent. And I remember, and you probably won't even remember this, but I remember this. <clears throat> it was one day after a deep stretch class in the Flow Leesburg. Uh, and I taught and afterwards you came up to me and I don't remember what story I was telling, but the way I teach, if you remember, if you remember yeah. taking my classes very much, that's my gift, right? Mm -hmm. I, I teach yoga philosophy through storytelling mm -hmm. of, you know, whatever it is, the story that needs to come out for me to share with everybody in the room and you you thanked me for it. Oh, I and you said to me, this is what I do too. And I wasn't part of your mom's group at that point in time. This was a couple of years ago. It was before pre pre 2020. And you just started telling me all of this stuff. And it's interesting because I didn't know, I didn't connect in my mind that you were the boy's mother that my daughters had been telling me about. Yeah. And then all of a sudden I was like, oh, this is, this is their mom. Yeah. 
yeah. I, I, now I know who she is. Like now I understand. And now you just, and I, and again, I can't, and I don't do it for sympathy. Words. I just feel no. like it's in my heart. And I, yes. you, 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 you spoke to my heart. So that's why I came up. And felt yes. And you I, started telling me. And yeah. in that moment, I was like, Ooh, I need to be in this woman's world. Right. Yeah. Like I, I was like, she gets this. She understands this. Yeah. I think you said something to me. Like at one point people tell me all the time, I should be a life coach because of X, Y, and Z. You said that to me. This is what it was. And you started telling me about your group. And then I dove into your group and I'm like, oh, this is such a, in a world where we put so much emphasis on the external appearances of everything, right? You were getting into the guts. And what I love about that is that's where I always go to. I'm like, let's get into the guts and let's talk about it from that place because everything else doesn't really matter right now. Sure. Right. Yeah. And I, and I also love that you found those two beautiful Greek women to be like, just focus on your boys and focus on your work. And I heard, I I got great advice from a lot of people and I, and I listened to a lot of it, but for whatever reason, those, that advice was simple Mm -hmm. and I could, uh, my brain was so defeated and, and and I had, you know, when you lose your spouse, you lose your, your, the parent of your children, you lose your friend, you lose your business partner, you lose your intimate partner, you lose you lose your confidence. Yes. I had lost my confidence completely. I literally believed like, you know, um, I didn't even get to tell you. So in the middle of his illness, and I literally felt like I was withering away from fear. I decide all the family members were reaching out and I never had good news about his, how he's doing. So I decided, okay, I'm going to open up this group called Leesburg moms. And Mm -hmm. I literally added my cousins, my friends, my colleagues, it was like a hundred people. And slowly I would just like, some days I couldn't even smile. I would just be crying all day. And I would post a picture about gratitude. Like gratitude's really important to me. I practice gratitude because it keeps me in a good place. Mm -hmm. You know, I can't, if you sit sit there and think about all the things that are not right in your life, then you just go get worse. So I just think about all the blessings I have, even if the worst happened and the worst did happen, I still have a lot of blessings. And so I started writing about joy. And when I had the strength, I would write a little bit about it. But mostly while he was ill, I didn't talk as much about it. Mm -hmm. After he, and it really sort of became like people have journaling or diaries. Leesburg mom, which was scary, became my, my, my story to the world. Yes. Because I, because I had to process what was going on for my children and I, it was therapy. Yes. And literally like, it's very scary to, to share the most private, intimate things and then hit post. And you know, it's going to, it just went out to 2000 women. Can you think, yes. are people going to think I'm weak? Are they going to think I'm trying to get sympathy right. from them? You know, like it's scary to be, to be open and vulnerable, yeah. but that's, but then it started coming back like, wow, this is, you know, thank you for sharing. And then I get, I'd have start having coffees and lunches with other people that are hurting. A lot of people are hurting mm-hmm. and they just, you know, you go to social media because you, you know, see family and fun things, but you also want to feel things, authentic things, real things. And people can tell when it's real. Yes. You know? Well, you, you helped give people a map back to their hearts. Which is right? beautiful. Yeah. You really, I mean, and in honestly, turn, they gave me back. Yes. My, your, your spark and your light. Yes. Because I, I struggle with that every day. I still struggle. Yeah. And what I, what I really love is that the women gave you two very actionable things. And in that space of grief and that despair, 
and hopelessness action is like the next is the right thing, right? Like you do the next right thing. And, but having very specific task oriented and it's not to avoid your feelings and it's not to avoid taking care of yourself, but literally in that Mm -hmm. moment of despair, when you're lost and everything is really fuzzy, it's like you got into a car and the defrost is not working and you have to drive and you cannot see, right? You just can't see. It's like, grief is like hanging out in bath water that you've just been in for too long and you need someone to literally like pick you up out of it. They gave you those women. They gave me a roadmap. Yeah. You know, uh, just last month, uh, December 8th was the day that he was diagnosed. So that to me is that like at one point I had, which I took it out of my calendar, but I had the worst day of my life in that, but I did, I did a tribute uh, to him and, yes. and I actually noted them because I'd never talked about them publicly and I never tagged them. I don't know, hopefully they're okay with it, but they literally did. And, and, you know, my, my, and then I was like, okay, I gotta, I gotta take care of my children. I gotta get out of bed because if yes. I can't get out of bed, how am I going to expect them to get out of bed? Right. If I can show them that, okay, yes, I'm going to be sad some days, but other days I'm going to get up and do what I need to do. And I, I hope, will hope that my actions would become like how they're going to handle their life because they were, they were hurting in school. They were hurting mentally. And so they, they're watching me and I, and when your children are watching you trying to figure out how to survive and how to recover or live, um, then, then you become their role model. And I, was so important to me that they, I become a good role model. So Mm -hmm. I modeled what I hoped they would do. And they did, they, they went back and they took care, better care of their health. They picked up their grades. They, you know, two are in college. Uh, you know, my youngest is doing great in school. They're working out. They talk about dad. Like, I think it's as good as I could have ever hoped for, you know, knock on wood. Like, I just think that you have to, and, and, and you know, people, people were scared to talk to me. You know, I'm in a business with real estate. I couldn't talk about real estate when this was all going on. Oh yeah. But, you know, I remember because of their wisdom, the, the women, the Greek women, they said, uh, people would say like, how are you doing? So many people are so kind to me and kind to my family and did so many wonderful things. They'd bring food, they'd, they'd go take the kids out. And so I wanted to thank them. And when I met with friends, family, clients who felt awkward, they wanted to reach out to me, but they were like, they don't know how they should even talk to me. I kept saying to them, you know, I met with these women and they said, work is good medicine for me. I actually, I'm strong. I can, I, I want to be busy. I need to yes. be busy. And, yes. and boy, did I get busy because that's really exactly what I did. I got so busy. I'm exhausted. I'm just focused on the boys, focus on my work, focus on boys, focus on my work. And yes. I would write. And I took a, I, I felt like you need to be pro, like you said, being active in your grief and the healing. Yes. And the community, Leesburg and, and surround, it's not just Leesburg, there's many women in that group that are outside mm-hmm. of that community. Just, I just felt so like loved and supported when I had hard days and I would share. It's like your pain is not, you don't experience your pain alone. You know that you're being embraced by a community, which is very powerful, you yeah. know? So social media was actually a gift. A gift. Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, just, I love the space that you've created Yeah, for women, wherever they are to, even if they're not ready for it, right. Because yes. healing's personal and everybody has to be ready for when they're ready to, um, heal and face things. Right. Cause look, it's, it's a scary 
thing to have to crack open the rib cage that so protects your heart and like just let your heart be out there right and many are private like I I I hear that all the time thank you for talking about it I I, I'm not comfortable myself talking about it but I appreciate that you talked about it because yes it made me feel not so alone and it made me feel so it made me feel comforted it made me feel you know embraced yeah so if you could mm-hmm. how do you when not how do you let me think about how I want to phrase this question so in thinking about Joe and thinking about everything that you're doing and your boys where does he how does he show up on a daily basis or weekly basis or when you look at your boys or you see your work mm-hmm. or you're or mm-hmm. you're sharing where do you go oh yeah all the is. time yeah, because yeah. I have a lifetime with him yeah. of memories of travel. My children sometimes when they smile or they yeah. they they tilt their head back and say something, and I'm like, "That's Joe." Like yeah. you, and, and they love it. They love when yeah. they when I see a, a spark, something about them, the way they said something, the way they laughed, the way they moved this um, personalities. Um, he is everywhere in our life, and I think that that's okay. It's not an unhealthy thing. I think it's a healthy thing oh, because yeah. I need him to be in my life. Like a lot of times. I think, okay, how am I going to handle this situation with the boys? Or if I had to buy, I, I had to buy two cars now, you know, every, they, they keep getting driver's licenses. And I, I think that's like a blue job. And I'm like, like, what would he say? What would he be like? No, don't get this or do this. Or like, he's literally the voice in my head. Yeah. He's the voice in their head. He's in our heart. Um, you know, I, I, I fantasize all the time. Like if only for one second, he could see them. If he, only one second, he could see them. Cause that was like the biggest heartbreak for him he wasn't going to get to see them grow up and I think he would be I think he'd be so proud he'd be proud of all of us Um, oh yeah yeah and and he is he is with us like you know we're not uh he's a step ahead he's not we're not married physically anymore but like he's very much a part of my life he's a part of their life and I think we are learning to you know what they say you you don't get over it but you try to you just kind of manage through it, right? You yeah, just, yeah. You learn like, to live around it. Yeah, right? yeah. Yeah. You, you learn to just be in the space of it, right? It's yeah. it's yeah. it's a it's never it's not a final no. And there's um there's like there are like you know I lost a lot of weight when he was sick mm-hmm. and I, and a lot of the physical symptoms have gone away. I was having like major anxiety and stuff like that have gone away. But like even there it, it takes only the smallest thing to quickly mm-hmm. overwhelm me or to quickly bring me back. Mm-hmm. Yesterday I had a physical. This was yesterday. I had a physical and my son's in the car. Brandon's in the car and the the doctor calls and they said the nurse wants to give you your results. And I had just gotten breakfast from a place and he's like, mom, you want a piece of breakfast? And I felt sick, like, because in my mind, sometimes I go into dark places and think like, I, you know, I feel like my life's over without him, but then I know I must be here for a reason. And then all of a sudden I'm, I'm on hold for five minutes with the doctor waiting for my results. And in my head, I'm thinking, no, I do love life. I do want to be here. I hope everything's going to be okay. Like that PTSD from his physical, like Mm -hmm. I'm forever different. Yes. Yes. But, but I'm also, I think a diff, I, I, hopefully I've grown in a, in a, a good way. Oh, Vicki, a beautiful way. And, you know, I didn't know you before that, but I believe now knowing everything that you endured as a young child, as a 
young woman living in Vienna, Virginia as an immigrant who was learning about the world to meeting the love of your life, you have always been, this is like you said, this is your secret talent. This is your special sauce. And no wonder you're so successful at what you do, because to me, you know, what you do is all about forming trustworthy relationships. That's really and important. And you mm-hmm. just exude just this. Um, I think it's what life's about, right? Yes, like sometimes you yeah. think, you know, it's uh, yes, money's important and, and yes. business and all of that. But ultimately it's the quality of the relationships you have. It's yeah. the friendships. It's what, mm-hmm. what wakes you up every morning. It's what gives you purpose, gives you meaning. Um, you know, I feel like um, my life has been like a series of these highs and lows. And, and I think a lot of people, everybody has a, a story and a journey, right? And you go through highs and lows. I, I wish they weren't so high and so low. Like I can, I, can I just be <laughs> plateau for a little while? <laughs> <laughs> just leave me alone. Like people, you know, this is so crazy. Like after he died, and even to this day, like I was 44 when he passed away. And, you know, I remember going to grief groups and there was a lot of women who had lost spouses and in very deep pain, but they were much older than me. They're in their seventies and eighties. And I remember dro- walking by window uh, windows. If I see the word window on a storefront. Yes. And, and I would literally, my eyes would see widow. Yes. Is that crazy. I no. had a really hard time with this. Yeah. Like, I don't want this label. I don't want to be this person. I don't want this story. I don't I want him back. I just, you know, but you have to, otherwise you make yourself crazy. Can you hear my dog is trying yes, to. Yes, it's the okay. <laughs> so, you know, and it's interesting because one of the things, you know, through some of my health journeys um, that I've had over the years, sometimes people like, are like, oh, join this group because then you're going to um, learn and, you know, have a community that's going to understand. And sometimes being in those groups, what you find is it just because it overwhelms you and it takes yes. you over. Yes. And it's not that we don't want to say I'm a widow. We just don't want to become the identity. Yeah. Right. And, and sometimes what happens is because we're all hurting for whatever it is that we're seeking help for being sometimes surrounded by too many people that have the same, we just stay sure. in the same. Yeah, same space. I yeah. joined some groups early on. Uh, there's a group called Option B, Coping with Grief was very valuable to me the first mm-hmm. two, three years. Beautiful. Uh, Cheryl Sandberg uh, was that. And I, you know, I was in a very dark place and I needed to be there. After about two and a half years, I decided it's time for me to get out of that group. And I really appreciate so many other people who have gone through losing a spouse sitting down and talking with me. Mm-hmm. And now almost five years, this may will be five years. I do that for people other who people. call. Yeah. yeah. And, and I, I, I give them the tech, like, tech, you know, don't close the bank account. Don't do this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, take care of your physical needs first, you know, to get lots of sleep, give yourself grace. Um, you know, mm-hmm. if something's too painful, change your traditions. We, there's a lot of things you can do that actually help you handle the situation better. Yes. You know, for, I, I mentioned Mason saying it was his worth, he was worth eating for his worst birthday of birthday. his life. Uh, we sent him out to the movies. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, his birthday is actually next Friday. He's mm-hmm. turning 17 and we sent him out to the movies and he was so depressed and he didn't want to go see the movie. And what I did is I called my family and friends. When he came home that night at seven o'clock in the dark, he opened the door and there was a, about a hundred people waiting 
all over the house on top of the staircase and they screamed happy birthday and let me I, I like tears sprung from his eyes and he says to me to this day mom you made that the best birthday ever I just got chills all over my body and tears running down my eyes. That was beautiful. So beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. You can change your traditions. You can change things without erasing. Yeah. Right. And you can, we all are stronger than what we think we are. Yeah. And you, uh, you know, you get to, you really do get to respond to how you're going to handle things. You can't control what happens, but you can definitely control your response. So. Oh, well. With that, that was like, you, you did a great, that was it, Vicki. You just wrapped it right up. That was perfect. And I it's love true. every minute of it. It's true uh, though, right? Yeah. You. I so enjoyed this conversation with you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you very much for having me. I'm honored. And I hope, uh, I hope somebody out there listening um, that it helps them. Yeah, it will. So you guys, this has been a beautiful conversation with Vicki. I hope you enjoyed it just as much as I did. And you guys know what to do. If you love it, give it a thumbs up, share it, and keep on being magic, everybody. Until next time. Well, hey, guys, thanks so much for joining us and listening and tuning in wherever you are listening to your podcast. Keep on listening, sharing, enjoying, and hey, follow us on social media. Instagram is msh underscore shift. You can also follow me, Marcia, M-A-R-C-I-A underscore Hines, H-O-F-F-H-E-I-N-S. You can also find us on the book and join our makeshift tapping group. It's a public open group. We share goodies and information. Um, visit my website, MarshaHoffines.com sign up for the newsletter and we'll just keep you full of all the goodies, all of them, all the time. Talk to you soon.